He'll come back for the second. India have won the test match. India have won the series. Hello and welcome to a new episode of 81 All Out Podcast. This is Mahesh, your host for today's show. Uh, we are still nursing the hangover of the epic Australia series, uh, but unfortunately, the cricket caravan has moved on and uh, and we're going to be uh, entering into another sort of high-profile test series uh, come February 5th. So with that, we thought we'll preview the upcoming series. Uh, and to do that, I've got uh, my fellow 81 All Out colleague with me here, Sibri. Hi, Sibri. Hi, Mahesh. Good to be here. Thanks. And another guest who's been here in the past, uh, any of you who's heard the All-Rounders episode will be familiar with Arj. The last time he came here, I don't think the Brexit deal was finalized. Now I think it's out of the way. How are you feeling in the liberated Brexit, post-Brexit uh, London, Arj? Hi, Mayesh. Uh, thanks for inviting me on the show. Uh, absolutely delighted to be here. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it feels pretty much the same, actually, um, given that we seem to be stuck in the house the whole day. Okay, let's get started. Yeah, it's, it's another high-profile series and, and it, it wasn't always high-profile, but, but uh, in recent years it's become high-profile partly because of the economics of, uh, of the teams involved and partly also the cricket. So how do you, uh, Siddhi, you can get started. How do you, how do you see this India-England rivalry uh, at large? Is, is that something that you always look forward to as, uh, as growing up or is it something that's just acquired a greater aura in recent years? Yeah, I think uh, India-England, uh, you know, was uh, really, really big for, uh, you know, my dad's generation and my granddad's generation, because my granddad, of course, was, uh, you know, very much alive during the uh, British days. He even fought for the uh, British Indian Army. I mean, that time, when you fought for the army, you were fighting for the British pretty much. So he fought in the Second World War for the British. And, uh, but yet, you know, at the same time, he also, of course, had, uh, you know, in cricket, he could never support England because of, uh, you know, the colonial uh, reasons. And uh, he felt that there is no way he could support England. So for, for my granddad and my dad, England series were the markers. You know, you did well against England. You did well in England. Then you are pretty much arrived. Uh, not so much for me because I started watching in the late 80s. And uh, by then, India-England had, uh, you know, uh, was, was a slightly different feel feel to it. Um, and so I always felt there's a bit of a comedy associated with England coming to India, especially after 92, when they had all that, uh, you know, all the health issues and they, they lost 3-0 as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, for me, I've, I've obviously looked forward to the uh, matches and I've, uh, you know, but more so India in England rather than England in India, because for a long time, I just took it for granted that England are going to come to India and lose. Uh, which, of course, changed uh, in 2012-13. But yeah, I mean, it strikes me, uh, reading all the, the reviews and listening to some podcasts, it strikes me how the rivalry has just completely undergone this 180-degree uh, uh, shift, right? I mean, back then, Indian players used to go to play in England. They used to play in league cricket. Uh, they used to play in county cricket. Um, you know, they, it, there was a certain... Uh, prestige associated with going and playing for a county for a whole season. Uh, now it's the reverse. Indian players don't go to the counties. I mean, very, very few go. And uh, the, it's the English players who are coming to India to play the IPL. And uh, in fact, there's been a controversy in England as well about how um, some of the players who played the IPL are now being rested, uh, rested from the series because there's an IPL coming up. And so the question many people are asking is that, uh, you know, where are your priorities? You know, you have a test series against India and then you have uh, uh, 
IPL and you're let, letting some players rest. So that is the kind of controversy that is happening. So it's uh, quite a shift. Economically, it's uh, definitely a huge shift. And um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, in the future, if uh, the BCCI relents, there would be English cricketers coming and playing in Ranji Trophy as well. You know, maybe joining a side for a season or two. And then that would be, you know, the complete transformation. Excellent. Arj, uh, give us some sense of the English perspective. Uh, I know, like like Siddhi mentioned, England used to be an epic series for Indians and it was a marker of great performances for us. But I don't think there is necessarily seen that way from the other side. When did, when did this become a significant sort of rivalry from an English perspective? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, as Sidvi pointed out, I think it was always bigger. This rivalry in the past was always bigger from an Indian perspective, especially when India toured England. I think if you look at the, if we just go back to the 80s and 90s, India were definitely not seen as the main rivalry. So Australia, uh, without a doubt, are the number one rivalry and will always be, regardless of the strength of the Australian team. Even in the mid-80s, when Australia were not a strong side, um, they were still, the Ashes were still seen as a pinnacle. Um, but in the 80s and 90s, the West Indies were certainly the, the second most important team. So in England, there would be a lot of hype about touring the West Indies, facing up to the fast bowlers. Um, whereas I'd say now India has taken the position of West Indies maybe in the last 10 years, starting from probably 2002. Um, the, home, the India and England series in 2002, the England-India uh, England series has taken probably the second, probably the second biggest series for England from an English perspective. Um, and what's interesting is it wasn't even just West Indies that were probably ahead in the pecking order before. Even teams like um, Pakistan were certainly ahead of India um, from an English point of view. Um, South Africa, when they got readmitted, um, was seen as a more, more prestigious series than India. Um, so I would say India-England today is, without a shadow of a doubt, um, seen as a marquee series in England. Um, I feel that the, as I said before, the 2002 um, home series, or in, home series in England when India toured, uh, was a very was a bit of a turning point. Um, first of all, India got four Test matches, which they did before, but not in the 80s and 90s. And also importantly, India were given the second part of the summer. Um, usually in England, the the team that gets the second half of the summer is seen as the more important side. Um, if we look back to, for example, the 96 uh, tour, India tour of England, um, Pakistan were given the second half and India came in the early part of the season. Um, and you can just see from 2002 onwards, um, you know, the rivalry has gained importance. Excellent. I think that sense of context of the larger rivalry going into this. One of the things that, you know, one of the things that I've struggled to kind of differentiate is, like you mentioned, the 2002 which is perhaps uh, turning of a corner for, for India and India's performances in England. That's one thing that's changed, but that is already a four-test series. Uh, so it, it, it is a perfect sort of coincidence of India raising their game. Uh, when I say raising their game, India becoming a better cricket-playing nation at large. Plus the, the, the economic might of the, the television rights, the value of the television rights that Indian cricket team brings with it when they go to India or Australia now which is certainly what, what has gotten them the, the one, the better part of the summer and also the longer part of the summer. Agree. And also, I mean, just to circle back onto my previous point, take an example of a, a high-profile English captain like Michael Atherton, who played about maybe 115 to 117 test matches. He only ever played one test match in India, 
which is remarkable if you think about it. Um, he was on the 92-93 tour, um, missed one of the matches, uh, two of the test matches through to illness and, and other circumstances. But for him to only have played one test match against India in such a uh, long career, high-profile career, uh, shows how the momentum has shifted. Um, was, there was no sort of interest in India before, and now it's completely different. The current England players would have faced India so many times. Yeah, but uh, but I have to. We have to make one uh, bit of qualification here. Is that while several in top high-profile English players missed India tours in the past, and uh, you know in the seventies and sixties, it was often uh, you know uh, uh, there would often be a second-string team that would tour India as the MCC. The fact is that England and India played quite regularly uh, through the time. You know, through the fifties and sixties and seventies, there were regular tours which is not so true with Australia. Australia didn't invite India for long stretches of time uh, in between, you know. Uh, so often India went to Australia just once a decade uh, for, for many years. So there, while there was a bit of a shift with uh, the players themselves choosing to stay out of India for various reasons, the, we must uh, acknowledge that the English board uh, was always organizing tours between the two sides, which really helps a nation, especially when they are uh, very new to test cricket, uh, as they would have been in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, that's a great point. Actually, that's something that uh, in the larger anyone but England spirit sort of gets undermined and in, in underappreciated. Uh, in fact, Vijay Arnugam, who was in our podcast earlier, also brought this up on the on the contrasting perceptions that India and Aust Australia and England enjoy in, in, England, uh, in India, despite uh, England's more hospitable sort of touring schedule. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sidney mentioned about about his perception of of England visiting India and how that was dramatically different from, let's say, his parents and and, and you know grandparents and stuff. And to a great extent, it is essentially marked by one all the off-field sort of color and the stories in the '93 series, plus the 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 whitewash, so to say. I mean, that seems to kind of be the anchor for a lot of uh, judgments about England and India. Because if you look at their performance throughout history, and particularly since that series, it, it's not been bad at all. In fact, it's been pretty impressive. They, they came here in 2001. It was a very hard-fought sort of uh, series that India managed to, you know, managing to squeeze about a win. 2006 was, was a very good drawn series for them. 2008, they came close. In fact, the Chennai Test was extremely close. They were actually leading for most of the match, except for an extraordinary fourth innings chase from uh, from Sevag and, and Sachin and Yuraj. And 2012, of course, they went on to complete an epic win. Even 2016, for that matter, while, while the result is extremely skewed for love, it was essentially a result of two heavy scoring defensive sort of teams uh, and the home team, you know, had greater batting depth, so to say. Uh, while Forlau looks extreme, I don't think, uh, you know, in England put on a fight. England had its chances and India struggled to dismiss, uh, get 20 wickets of England throughout that series. And it took a combined might of all their bowling and the depth of uh, depth of the batting to, to get across England. So, I mean, that that is probably an exceptional result. But by and large, Siti, especially from your perspective, do you think England's performances in India have kind of been underappreciated given most of the narrative anchors around the 92-93 series? I think so. I think uh, definitely uh, it has been underappreciated. And also, you know, when you read about 84-85 uh, or uh, Tony Gregg's team that won uh, in India in 76, uh, 
you you realize that uh, there have been some uh, tremendous uh, performances uh, from England and India. I mean, to to for for Greg's team to win in '76. I mean, it it goes pretty under acknowledged, but that must have been some achievement. And uh, Greg himself had a big role to play in that. Um, 84-85, of course, they lost the first test in Mumbai, uh, Bombay as it was then, and then uh, uh, came back to win the series. And again, you know, the bat, uh, the batting of uh, Fowler and uh, Robinson, Gatting, the bowling of, uh, you know, Neil Foster, all that, I think, uh, goes a bit under the shadow because uh, the 92 series uh, pretty much has so many of the stories about uh, the Chennai test where Graham Gooch and a few other people went to a restaurant I ate some prawns and then had to sit out. And it, the 92 series almost has become a comical uh, sort of marker for England's performances in India, though it shouldn't be. Because, uh, you know, when England uh, came in, as you said, Nasser Hussain's team 2001 was a good, was a good series for them. And, uh, you know, I was at the Bangalore test, actually, uh, when um, uh, Matthew Hogard bowled that spell a uh, wonderful spell of swing bowling in Bangalore. I mean, slightly overcast day that day. And uh, England were in with a shout in that test match. Um, that was the same match where uh, Tendulkar, uh, Ashley Giles bowled, uh, uh, you know, over, over the wicket on the leg stump line and got uh, Tendulkar stumped. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it does go underappreciated. Uh, 2006, that victory in uh, Mumbai was terrific. 2013, 12-13, uh, the series victory was perhaps one of the great series victories in this uh, you know century uh, again goes under acknowledged i would i would even put it on par with the 2005 ashes uh, but uh, that obviously that's not seen that way in england for their own reasons but yeah i agree with you i think uh, england are tough opponents i don't think 40 was uh, uh, showed the quality of uh, the showed the competitiveness of that series i mean that victory in on the last test in chennai uh, when you know that test where Karunayar got a triple hundred, England basically lost six wickets in the final session of the test. So you know they could have, <laughs> on another day they could have held on for a draw, and uh, Rajko uh, they did draw in Rajkot. And even the other three tests, it wasn't like they were uh, completely uh, you know uh, flattened or anything. They were they did have their moments. So how do how do you see that, Arjun? Is that one? Is that perception? True, like from an English perspective, that that somehow their performances in India haven't been like given that given the recognition. And two, do they really care about it in, in England, at least in your cricket circles? Um, I would say that Hugh and Sidby have pretty much summed it up very well. Um, sometimes you get these sound bites which may be factually true, but actually mislead the um, sort of audience. So when uh, England won in India in 2012, 2013. Um, it was, of course, c correctly said that it was the first time they had won since uh, 1984, when, uh, as it be pointed out, Gower managed to uh, captain a 2-1 victory. Um, but actually, if you look at it, between uh, 1984 and uh, 2000, there was only that one series, which was the, the infamous 92-93 uh, series. And because that was the one series over a 16-year period, you effectively have... Um, that series takes on a greater proportion of like the, the memory, the consciousness, um, as Sidby pointed out as well. Like, so that was a bit of an aberration, that 92-93. If you, even if, as, as uh, we've said before, if you go all the way back to Tony Gregg winning 3-1 in 96-97, uh, England since then have pretty much, apart from the 92-93 uh, 
uh, blowout. And last time the result was one-sided. Apart from that, uh, England have uh, had a very good account of themselves. Uh, they managed to win the, the Golden Jubilee one-off test uh, with both of them starring. They managed to, even in 81 under Keith, Keith Fletcher, um, India weren't particularly impressive. I mean, they, they managed to engineer a collapse in the first test at Wankere, but then played for a draw and it was just a 1-0 win. Uh, again, as we said, Gower managed to win in 84. Uh, you, you've already covered um, 2001. I thought India won, but it was a very scrappy performance. England weren't, it wasn't a comfortable win by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and yeah, the, the win for Andrew Flintoff's win in India or draw, drawn series, but the w uh, winning of that test match is underrated because, you know, his captaincy is not viewed uh, very well in England, uh, which is a fair, fair enough thing, but he probably doesn't get enough credit for drawing that series. Um, and again, the Mumbai attacks uh, series, the series that came on the back truck of the Mumbai attacks in 2008-9, uh, as you said, Mahesh, uh, that Chennai win wasn't, wasn't a foregone conclusion. I mean, uh, it required a, a special innings from Virendra Sehwag, and then uh, Tendulkar had to finish it off. Um, so, yeah, I agree uh, absolutely that um, it's a bit of a false perception. And if you were to bring other nations into this, uh, you'd say England have done as well as most other nations. I mean, uh, India rarely lose at home. If you even take a, an Indian side of the 90s that you would say are far weaker than the current side. Um, that side in the 90s, they lost uh, in 99, I think, to South Africa. Uh, apart from that, um, they didn't lose for 13 years at home. And they lost that 2004 series, uh, famous series, when uh, Australia came. But other than that, it's extremely difficult to beat India at home, uh, even when they weren't one of the top uh, test-playing nations. So what England have actually done, have done in India, uh, I 100% agree with you, is, uh, is impressive. Yeah, I mean, after 1987, when they lost a series to Pakistan, India pretty much lost three series. They've lost to South Africa in 1999-2000. Uh, they lost to Australia in 2004-05. And then they lost to England. And three, that's three series over, you know, you're talking 23, you know, 23 years. Uh, oh, sorry, 30, 33 years. My, my bad. Yeah, 33 years, which is huge. <laughs> and the 2012 is the only series without an asterisk, right? Like the 1999-2000 South Africa series, first of all, was a two-test series. And two, uh, fairly close, but more importantly, you know, like there was a lot of talk about fixing and, and betting going on in the background from both sides. So we don't know what turned out to be what. That, there's one asterisk over there. In 2004, for instance... Sachin was not part of the first two tests and uh, the Chennai test was rained off on the last day when, you know, it was evenly poised. And then you had the Nakur curator issue of BCCI politics. So, uh, you know, like you, it is impossible to not consider these factors and, and you know, I mean, which is not to bring down the, the victories of South Africa and Australia, but, but England came here, everything was stacked against them. Like they didn't let them play spinners in tour matches. They they uh, got made to order pitches, and and yet they overcame all the odds and won. So it was an emphatic sort of win, and that's probably the only home loss for India in which you know you could just not make any excuse really. Yeah, and it was even more emphatic because uh, you know among all the three series that you spoke about, it was the only series where where spin uh, dominated India. You know, in uh, South Africa and Australia, you can make a case and say uh, India were undone by pace and, uh, you know, seam. But 2012-13, uh, uh, Panasar and Swan uh, outspun India and uh, 
you know, which was even more uh, heightened as a defeat for India because you have this uh, a foreign team coming and uh, two spinners just dominating your spinners and your batsmen. So, yeah, I, I think uh, that series gets a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of short shrift and uh, needs to be celebrated much more. They will do just that at Adrian All Out. Okay, moving on, moving on to the sort of current series. Uh, I, I, I know we've been in COVID for a while now. It feels like I, I even forgot how life was before COVID. But, but I'm still not used to this COVID rhythm for cricket, for instance, because going into the Australia series, we did a preview with, uh, with uh, our colleague at Cricket Cricket, Rav. And, and, and with Rav, we didn't know what to talk about because there were so many unknowns, right? One, like Brisbane had a January test. The gap between tests was, was so long. And we don't know mentally how fatigued the teams will be. And more importantly, you know, how much time curators have to prepare the pitches. I mean, pitches dictate everything, right? They, they dictate how bowlers bowl, that dictates how batsmen bat. And, and coming into this series, we have pretty much the same uh, unknowns, but kind of compounded further because uh, Chepok as a test venue has not been used much in the last decade. I think they played two tests, 2013 Australia and 2016 England, and that's the last test that they played. One that itself is an unknown, and they've got apparently a new curator who's actually a businessman, and and so that is is new. Then in in Ahmedabad, you have a, a whole new venue altogether. Plus, England have to go through the bio bubble in India, which is going to be different. In Chennai, is not going to have any crowd, but possibly Ahmedabad could have a crowd. So, given all this and the fitness concerns as well, right? Whatever we saw with India, it's possible that we could see that with England, especially in a longer series like this, unlike the Sri Lanka one. How much of all that is going to impact the series? When I say impact, as in how concerned are you about it from, from a quality of cricket perspective? I'm not, uh, I mean, of course, uh, it's concerning about the injuries and, uh, you know, you, you hope, I mean, as you've seen after we, in, in India's tour to Australia, uh, with all these players getting injured, one wondered whether a part of it was also the effect of COVID. Because, you know, when you're not in your regular rhythm of uh, practice and your ex uh, whatever, I mean, do your reflexes then slow down and then do you end up, uh, you know, finding ways to getting in, getting injured? And uh, that was one thing we thought about. And I do uh, wonder if, uh, you know, in England will be able to go through four tests uh, without injuries. I mean, India are in a better position because they're playing at home now. And so they can always call on people. But, uh, you know... England, it may not be possible. And the pitches, as you said, I mean, that is the biggest thing because uh, nobody has any idea how they'll play. Uh, in Chennai, as you said, even I, I, re I read about that uh, new uh, curator that they have. Very, very, very interesting story. I mean, a guy who hasn't even prepared a pitch for a first-class match is now going to prepare the pitches for two tests, two back-to-back -back tests. Um, you know, we, I wish him well. I hope uh, he, he ends up uh, doing a great job. But it, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, Chennai has always, I, I mean, been a fantastic test pitch. I mean, you can call it, uh, you, sometimes you can say turn more, sometimes you can say, you know, but, but I think that uh, I'm pretty confident that, uh, you know, the, the people who he's working with, this curator, I mean, I'm pretty confident that they know what's going on in terms of the pitch. Ahmedabad is just completely uh, new ground. I mean, we have no idea. It's a new stadium holds 120,000 people and there'll probably be like 50 people in there because that's all they'll be allowed um, in terms of all the, you know, uh, whoever is allowed, that is. But um, yeah, it's fully unknown. So very, very hard to predict uh, what really 
is going to happen. And in a way, I think that's good for England. Uh, because, uh, you know, India are also in slightly unknown territory, even though they're playing at home, uh, which is good for England because, uh, you know, both teams are slightly g- guessing. How do, you, how do you compare and contrast with, let's say, the, the test series that England have played in, in bio-bubbles, right? Like, for instance, did you find it as hard to decipher like the West Indies series that they played? Or or you had some sense of, of a routine and what to expect from English grounds as compared to what's going to happen in this series? I mean, from my perspective, I think this series is, is far more complicated for, for, for an, from an England perspective, <laughs> obviously, because it's away from home. But um, I think this year there's a lot of pressure on England because they've got a lot of test matches coming up. They've got uh, 17 or 18 test matches this year alone. Um, they've got uh, a World T20, um, ODI matches. And the issue is, I mean, as fans, we want um, it's easy for us to sit in demand, sit there and demand that you know, X should be there for the full series, Y should be there for the full series. Um, but actually, you get the impression that the selectors have, have spoken to the players uh, mental health is important and it's been taken into account. And um, it, 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 feels like, um, it feels like a bit of disarray, uh, but it's like unavoidable disarray. You've got players coming from different situations. Uh, you've got players who played in Sri Lanka who are now gone, uh, who are now not, haven't gone to India. You've got someone like Rory Burns who's just become a father who didn't play in Sri Lanka who's coming in cold. Um, but as Sidby said, I think... Uh, in a way, India are almost as chaotic because, you know, India have just had this unbelievable series in, in, in Australia, um, but uh, a lot of injuries. And they, the, the, the players who, who could potentially come in haven't been able to play any, haven't get any first-class experience for a year because the Ranji Trophy got cancelled. So the, the whole thing is a bit of a, um, is, is a disarray for both, unavoidable disarray for, bo- for both teams. Um, um, but they'll have to find a way through it. Um, and I think actually, uh, given, given the seriousness of COVID and, and, and all the obstacles, actually, um, we're in a better place than I would expect with this series and the, and the quality of the players that are going to be on show. So I'm actually quite optimistic. Okay, one of the points that you mentioned is also going to be my next sort of question in, on, on England's choice to rotate players uh, you know, between series and, and between tests within the same series. It, it is just, it seems chaotic is one thing. That's, that's, the, the disarray, as you mentioned, is inevitable. But the larger question is, given the high-profile nature of the series, do you think they would have done that had, had there been an Ashes on the line? I mean, uh, Nazar Hussain, for instance, has already raised this point. Uh, how, do you see that as a practical compromise? Or, or how, what is your stance on that? So my view is that if it was an Ashes series, um, they would do, they would put the bar slightly higher. So Ashes series always takes priority. Um, that's just how the, how the world, how England, Australia works. Uh, whether it's right or wrong is a different debate. Um, but actually, the reason I'm quite optimistic about this series is it's not like um, England have sent out uh, a second 11 side. If you actually look at the, the, the high profile um, absentees, you would say uh, Johnny Bairstow going, uh, not being part of the squad for the first two tests is a notable absentee. But then you've got to remember that Johnny Bairstow actually wasn't in the side um, at the end of last summer. He was actually dropped uh, from the English side because uh, he kept getting bowled through the gate um, of the seamers. Now, so, and this decision was made before the Sri Lanka series. So we know that Bairstow, uh, relative to some of the inexperienced English batsmen, 
is probably a better player of spin than them. Uh, and on the recent Sri Lanka tour, uh, he didn't score a lot of runs, but he looked far more competent than, uh, say, Sibley or Crawley did. But at the same time, you wouldn't say he is an absolutely critical loss. He had a pretty decent series last time. If you were picking a best side in India, for me, he would be in it. And I think, but I don't think he's one player and he's not, as I said, he's not a permanent member of the side. What I find a bit odd is the fact that you, you would think Bairstow is more important guy to be playing in this series than he would to be in future series in England, for example, or in, in, in the summer or even in Australia. So I find that a bit odd, but then I guess he's got a white ball contract. He plays IPL, so these things come into it. So Bairstow is one player. The other one I find slightly odd is um, Jos Butler. He's playing the first test only and going home. Now, uh, Ben Folks, it looks like he will replace him for the, the second to the fourth test matches. Now, Ben Folks' career is really odd because he is the best keeper in England. Um, he was exceptional when he uh, kept in Sri Lanka in his debut series. He batted very well. Um, he was completely unfairly discard, discarded from the England side. Um, and he must have wondered what, you know, how, how on earth he lost his place. Um, and then now when Joss Butler, Joss Butler actually uh, comes into very good batting form and he actually kept well in Sri Lanka, the irony is now Ben Folks actually comes back into the side when, when Butler's actually in form. So but Ben Folks will, will do a good job in India, I'm sure of it, with the gloves. Um, and... But yeah, so I, so I think if you actually look at the England team that will play India, it's not miles, it's not far away from full strength. You would say it's 90 to 95 percent there. Actually, that's true. In, in, in a sense, England is a little fortunate to have the depth that they have that, you know, you know, this, this kind of rotation out of choice, uh, you could, you know, you, you can do it and still pretty much have and as strong 11 playing, given, you know, the second best choice for each of the slot is so close. And you could play Moin Ali, you could play Bess, you could play uh, Curran versus Vokes, and, you know, like, there are a lot of like-for-like like replacements. And Ben Fox, for instance, uh, who's, who's missed out in the past, gets a chance. So you could hardly say that you will miss Butler as much as... But, so it is not so much about diluting the quality of the team as much as what are you trying to tell us. Yeah, I think uh, also we shouldn't discount the fact that, uh, you know, that, that mental health plays in all this. And, uh, you know, with the bubbles, with COVID, uh, there is uh, obviously been quite a risk of that. And uh, Bairstow's had uh, such issues, uh, you know, I, he has brought up such uh, issues in the past. And I'm sure many other players are feeling it as well. So, you know, the selectors have probably taken that into account as well. Uh, I'm sure they've taken that into account. And... Um, uh, it's hard to know exactly what is happening, but uh, I would make uh, quite some allowance for that. Fair enough. I think I think that's a very important angle, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, uh, Arj, sort of taking off on that, uh, how much of, of an impact or how much of a momentum can England, you know, sort of take from their impressive win in Sri Lanka? One, I mean, conditions are similar, particularly compared to Chennai, uh, you know. And also the wickets are similar, you could argue, and the fact that they play Sri Lankan spin well is a good sign. But at the same time, the two teams are extremely different. India has the batting depth and India has the bowling depth. And when I say bowling depth, one, they have better spinners, more varied spinners. Plus, they, have, they also have much better fast bowlers. So in that sense, if 
from an english perspective is is there a lot of momentum to be carried into this uh, uh, this series from the from the venezuelan sri lanka so i would say <laughs> clearly if you when you win uh, it breeds confidence and this england side of got into a habit of winning um but there are some major caveats against that which you've already uh, touched on um i would say if you were to pick a combined indian sri lankan team at the moment uh, only angelo matthews from the sri lankan team would get into the indian side um so there's a massive gulf in quality between the opponents um and i'd also say the other problem for england is that the a lot of the questions that needed answering on the sri lanka tour didn't really get fully answered and it was part of part of that was sri lanka's fault because sri lanka the two innings where they they got bowled out cheaply they pretty much donated their wickets away uh, it was probably 80% uh, 80 to 90% bad batting and 10 to 10 to 20% good bowling so even though someone like dom bess who has question marks over him on paper had good figures in the series of something like 12 wickets at 21 actually he didn't bowl particularly well and i think even though there are some similarity with the pitches that goal pitches harder much harder to bat on than what i would expect this chennai pitch to be if they use the black soil i mean if i'm pretty sure india are not going to order uh, a rank turner they'll learn from the, the mistakes from the 2012 um i'm pretty sure it's going to be a flat pitch similar to we don't know but it will be could be similar to uh, four years ago when uh, uh, karan nair got the triple 100 and lokesh rahul got 199 so i think if you look at that sri lanka series um the first test match uh two of the innings both offered a lot of assistance for the bowlers uh the second test match the first innings was flat and in that first innings when nothing was nothing much was happening neither dom best nor jack leach managed to take a wicket um and so i think the spinners have a bit of an unanswered question uh leach is for me certainly a better bowler than uh dom best um but he's had his own challenges uh he hadn't played a test since 2019 tour of new zealand uh he got uh, sepsis on that tour and he was uh, very seriously ill he already has existing uh immunity you know immunity system issues with with crohn's disease so for him to even be back on the park was an achievement um but he looked like he wasn't quite at his best he he dropped quite short often uh and and best as well is 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 a good fighter he's a good character but he didn't really show any the ability to bowl a stock ball he was bowling far too many loose deliveries and and you can't afford to do that at this level especially against this indian lineup and this indian lineup you know the the team they'll play the top 5 will all be right hand batsmen um so it'll be a real challenge for best um so the two spinners haven't really answered the questions um and the the opening batsmen Sibley and Crawley uh both really struggled against spin. Crawley didn't make a score and was dismissed every time by Embledenia. Uh Sibley uh, similar story in the final innings he managed to get a 50 but even then he never really looked comfortable. Had a couple of lucky umpire calls. Um Chandimal set a bizarre field where he gave him the easy single single. So I don't feel that Sibley and Crawley they're both uh, impressive characters. uh England have picked quite a, a team of, of 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 good guys who work hard but I don't think those two have answered the question and then obviously Rory Burns uh, who will open probably in the first test uh wasn't on the tour he he just um had a child uh which and and he as a left-hander I think Ashwin will be um licking his lips because in the 
English summer, he was dismissed by, uh, managed to get dismissed by Roston Chase uh, on four occasions. So I think there's a lot of question marks before the Sri Lanka tour, still question marks. Um, the person who obviously excelled was, was Joe Root. Um, Joe Root was exceptional, but I think from the last India tour and, and even his Nagpur debut in 2012, we always knew that Joe Root could play spin very well in these conditions. Uh, he was outstanding. He didn't take any risks, but he just scored uh, very easily. And um, just a quick point on, on how well he played. Um, the Sri Lankan attack was pretty much a one-man attack. Uh, Lasit Embuldenia um, bowling, very good left arm still spin, good height, uh, good angle in from wide of the crease and spinning away. He was basically bowling like an incarnation of uh, Muralitharan or Herat to all the England batsmen, apart from Joe Root. So against all the other England batsmen, they, they were really struggling. But Joe Root effectively treated him like a part-timer. He didn't get dismissed by him and scored almost, you know, something like five and over against him. So Root will take confidence from that. But as I said, we already knew he was a quality player. Um, and just to touch on again, that Sri Lankan bowling lineup uh, was incredibly, uh, looked very threadbare. So Dilbru and Pereira came into the series in, in ho horrible form, shocking form, uh, probably lucky to get the series. And his career average against right-handers is something like 51. And England had pretty much a top six of all right-handers. I think Pereira's last previous time he'd even got a right-hander out in the first 45 overs of test was the previous England tour in 2018. That's how bad his form was. So it's no surprises that they scored against him. Um, and the Sri Lankan pace bowlers are, are, are kind of, you know, in and out of the side, um, not in the same class as, as any of the Indian pace bowlers. So in conclusion, yeah, that, yes. that is a very important point, I think, because, uh, you know, Sri Lanka... Uh, uh, you know, England will be facing a pace bowling, uh, you know, lineup. Definitely. I mean, I'm hoping to Ishant and uh, Bumrah will play uh, and uh, they will be facing, uh, th that will be a higher order for them compared to what they faced in Sri Lanka. Yeah, I think that's pretty, so my conclusion is, yes, it's good to win, but I, I can't really read too much into this victory for, for the India series. Um, and even, even you know, Jimmy Anderson um, bowled really well. I mean, he was exceptional, but you, you still look at the dismissals and you think a couple of those were really given away. I mean, will the likes of Rohit Sharma, I mean, Pujara, Kohli, Gill, all of these guys, are they going to donate? One of them might donate a wicket, but it's not going to be more than one. Yeah, Rohit Sharma may well donate his wicket, but that... that's he averages 88 at home though or something, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. That's what I was what, coming to. He, what, he's such what, a... Whatever Rohit Sharma does, it'll be called donation. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I was I was saying that he will he will make uh, he will probably make like uh, uh, you know hopefully okay I'm not uh, predicting this but if he makes three hundreds and then in the fourth innings if he gets out you know skying a ball then that will be the that will be the dismissal that will be spoken about. So. <laughs> what is the what is the use of having all the talent in the world if you don't have the temperament for Test cricket? If you don't have the temperament for four hundreds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I expected more yeah. in that South Africa series. I know. Just like one double hundred and a couple of hundreds, really. <laughs> All right. So you have to make your form count, mate. Mahesh. Uh, Sorry, uh, moving away from Rohit Sharma. <laughs> <laughs> that is never a good hook. <laughs> yeah, Mahesh would like to make this a Rohit Sharma pod, but I will do my best to make it something else. Yeah. 
Okay, so so it's coming back to the India, Indian side, and, and you know it's been something that I've been thinking for a while. One, it was an, you know physically an exhausting series for India, and and also mentally an exhausting series, and and a massive relief of all of that accumulated physical and mental exhaustion. And you feel like I mean, watching Ashwin's YouTube interviews, for instance, has been very very rewarding. And you also sense how lighter they're all feeling, right? And then the victory has been such a huge gush of relief. I mean, the other day he was talking with his wife. Even you could see that even with Preeti, for instance. Given that sort of state of mind at the moment, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure one how ready India will be physically for the next grind and that two back-to-back sort of tests in the same venue, and and not to mention mentally as well. And and a lot of these. High performers in on Australia series were also rookies. Let's not forget the fact that Siraj and and Saini. I mean, Saini was not a high performer, but but, but you know, like he started off and and uh, Shardul, uh, even uh, Washington Sundar. Uh, you know, they they had impressive performances, but it's really hard. Even for Pant, for instance, it's hard to kind of draw that as a baseline, uh, given it was such a series of outliers. Do you think that will? The, the high of Australia series will, will affect India in terms of getting started for the series, at least the first test? Um, maybe, definitely. I mean, uh, it's uh, too short a time between these two series. I mean, ideally, they would have probably wanted at least 15, 20 more days to, you know, settle down and get all the uh, celebrations out of the way and come back in. But yeah, they just don't have that luxury. But uh, I feel that, uh, you know, teams these days, especially the Indian team, I feel they, they are thinking quite far ahead. I mean, it was uh, through the interviews and things, it's become pretty clear that they were planning for Australia from June. You know, the plan to uh, stifle the Australian batsman on the middle and leg stump was hatched in June. And, and uh, Vikram Rathor mentioned even how, you know, he had asked several of the batsmen uh, to come up with plans against the Australian bowlers and even practice that during the IPL you know, on the side. So I feel that uh, the Indian coaching management and things have been thinking ahead. I mean, there was an interview with the, in the Rashwin interview with the fielding coach. It was pretty clear that uh, uh, the coaches were thinking ahead to the England series, uh, even while the Australian series was on, uh, you know, about uh, who needs to get injured. I mean, who may get injured, who needs to be preserved, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there is that. So uh, uh, I don't think it'll be completely like out of the cold and uh, they'll be, you know, going into day one without, you know, with, on this high, there would be some preparation. But yeah, I think it would probably take a couple of days for them to uh, get into the series. So I won't be, uh, what I'm saying is I won't be surprised if there's a collapse on day one or two uh, for either team, because, you know, that's bound to happen. And it's interesting that you brought up that uh, Vikram Rathor's interview. There were two things that he said. One was how early they started planning for Australia. The other thing that struck me was uh, was his perception of why they didn't do well in New Zealand. And he says that we had all the plans on paper, but we didn't have the time to implement them. So my concern for this series is that while they may have planned in advance, given such a short timeline, it looks like you know they they value that time for implementation. And, and fortunately for Australia series through IPL or or some other sort of, uh, even though full, not fully dedicated time, but they still had time. But given this, the very short timeline between the two series, I, I'm not sure even if they are very well planned, they have the resources to kind of go ahead and implement it, which is, which is the point that, you know, that really struck me when you talked about the New Zealand series. No, that's a very valid point. Yeah, 
that uh, they wouldn't have uh, probably been thinking of uh, practicing for England in the middle of the Australia series or before that, because Australia was the big focus. And uh, I think for India, winning in Australia was the big, big deal. So, yeah, you're right. They, it will, they wouldn't have had the time to, you know, uh, come up with, uh, to, uh, to practice what they plan against Anderson and uh, the rest. Okay, talking, I mean, we're talking about Ashwin's YouTube videos. That's actually a good sort of segue for us to talk about the importance of Ashwin in this in this bowling attack. One, you know, Jadija is not playing and Shami is not playing. And, and these two were the most, I mean, from, from I think they had the best average in the last series in 2016, even when Ashwin is not so effective. Uh, Jadija kind of, you know, uh, uh, filled that that void. And India never felt like, you know, they were running out of, out of uh, an effective... Uh, bowler to take wickets, even on relatively flat of wickets. But coming into the series one, you don't have the two bowlers who had the sub-30 average in, in 2016 series. And the other thing that kind of, again, just like the perception of how England play in India, that goes a little under the radar, is, is that Ashwin, despite his overall great record in Test cricket and exceptional record at home, uh, is still not superlative against England. I mean, he, he's, he's got a back full of wickets, uh, especially in the last series. And he's always batted well against them at home. So oh, if you look at it, Ashwin as a package, he's done really well against England. But purely his bowling, considering how he performs against other teams, uh, in fact, his home average is actually slightly worse than you know, his average in England. His strike rate at home is slightly worse than his strike rate in, in England. Uh, and uh, in fact, there's not a single series. I mean, I know we kind of considered 2012 as his worst series, so that should not be given too much weightage. Uh, but even if you exclude that, Overall, he's never actually played a series against England where he's averaged sub-30. I mean, these are extremely high benchmarks because it's Ashwin. Uh, but given we go into the series with such a huge reliance on Ashwin, how, how much of these things uh, uh, you know, should, be, should be considered for, you know, for England? You know, like England has played well and he's also coming off a very long trip. So, so how much of that is, is, is that a handicap for, for India? Just going, going back to the, the part about the India moving on, of all the players, I think Ashwin will probably find it the hardest to actually, it's probably the one you'd be most worried about from an Indian perspective. Um, even though Pujara and Rohane were the only two that played all four test matches, Ashwin obviously got injured at Sydney and he's so critical to the Indian bowling um, Think with Jadeja out, he's so critical, whereas the batsmen have each other to help. Ashwin is critical. And um, I would, in terms of his record against England, I would firstly say, um, let's ignore what he's done in England, because I don't think that has that much relevance to this particular series. Then you're looking at uh, the 2012 series, where he, bowled, he didn't bowl very well. Um, but he's a completely different bowler. He was a different bowler in 2016 to 2012. Um, you know, he got far more revs on the ball. Uh, he changed some his, his uh, delivery position slightly. He's always one who experiments a lot and, and tries out different things. But actually, even that last tour in 2016, it was such a high-scoring series that an average of, of 30 or so, 28 wickets at 30, is still a, pretty, is a very impressive series overall. Because, you know, uh, England was scoring 400, India was scoring 500, 600. I mean, it was a real, really... Uh, uh, batting-friendly series. So I think Ashwin uh, had, a, had a good series, had a very good series. Um, as you said, he batted well as well. Now, 
if you from a from a concern point of view it would be is he ready in terms of fitness and and you know uh the, the adrenaline from from the australia trip i think he should be fine um i think the the, the, the scores he'll have to settle are obviously we know that naturally as an off spinner he's much better against left-handers than right-handers you know averaging 20 against the lefties and he's got a pretty good record against uh ben stokes who will, will be a critical player for england so he's got he should have a good opportunity there but the issue for him i think is, is joe root is in really good form and joe root has a very good record against ashwin um ashwin has dismissed him but i think joe root has scored a number of uh, runs against him joe root may even average something like 80 plus against ashwin and as you said, without Jadeja, it will be uh, extra onus on him. Uh, but I would use the, the previous series as a reference point. Um, Chennai will be a challenge for him because we don't know exactly what the pitch is going to be like. Um, but, but generally, last time, it was, it was very slow. So a batsman, even if you deceive a batsman in the flight and on length, they can actually adjust, which is why someone like Jadeja was so effective because he bowls quicker. Um, speed than Ashwin. Um, at the same time, Ashwin is a is a smart enough bowler to to figure these things out. And um, you know, the, the, he he did pretty well the previous test in Chennai. I mean, we, as you said, we haven't got many examples. Uh, in 2013, he did pretty well against Australia. Um, and you know, I think uh, there's a lot of unknowns with with the English batsmen because you're going to have three or four guys who haven't who faced him in England, in, in county cricket. Um, but you haven't got... It'll be hard to see whether... They haven't got that many left-handers as well. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and also, Jadeja will be a miss. I mean, you know, despite uh, Ashwin being there, uh, I was just checking. Uh, Ashwin, I think I, I always uh, assume that Ashwin does slightly better when Jadeja is also playing. And... Uh, you know, the stats said so. Uh, his average drops, uh, you know, comes down a bit when Jade he is playing with Jadeja. And I think that makes a difference to have both of them bowling can be quite, uh, uh, can be very difficult for the opposition batsmen because they're so contrasting in terms of spinners, very, very different styles. But I think, uh, you know, it, it comes down to the pitches. Uh, if uh, the pitches are like the home series against South Africa, then, um, you know, you would expect the pace bowlers to have quite a say and then Ashwin's burden is immediately lifted quite a bit and then he can uh, you know do who can play that uh, he, he doesn't need to be the one guy who has to get most of the wickets because you know these the pace bowlers are doing it as well but if the pitches are you know going to be slow and uh, not so pace friendly then um, yeah it could be him doing the bulk of the work and uh, and without Jadeja's support, which could be very interesting to watch. But again, one thing about Ashwin, as we know over the years, is that he's you know so good with preparation. Um, as of course, he might not have had the time to practice the thing, but he will have plans in play. And uh, you know, he's surely seems like someone who watches uh, you know hours and hours and hours of video and has a lot of plans for each batsman and things like that. So th he will not lack in that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does in uh, two, two tests in Chennai, which is his home ground. He didn't have a great uh, test last time around against England, but you never know. The, the other thing to the Ashwin puzzle is also how captains use him, right? Even when Jadeja is around, 
he is comfortably, you know, he always comfortably outbowls Jadeja in terms of overs. And and with, especially without Jadeja, if it's if we get two relatively flat tracks in Chennai and Ahmedabad, then it's going to be like a similar series to the last one. Uh, it's going to take a lot out of him. I know, I mean, like, like Arj mentioned, 30 was still a good average and you got a bucket full of wickets in the last series. So, which is not to take anything away from Ashwin, uh, but England, we got to give credit to England that, that they've traditionally played him all right compared to the rest of the teams. So, so the other factor is also the fitness factor, right? If you, if you get two flat wickets and captains tend to over-rely on him, even if Kuldeep, you know, is, is playing... Somehow he always is always going to be more preferred by the captain over the other spinners, whoever it's going to be. And the other difference with the South Africa series is that now Shami is not playing, and Bumrah has never played in India before. Ishant is coming back from an injury. Umesh is not there. So in in some ways, some of the uh, sort of recent success of fast bowlers in India uh, is also not quite a baseline for us to go by. Like like so many things in in this pandemic life, there is no real baseline for us to compare anything with. Uh, so even in terms of the effectiveness of paces, it's going to be a, a bit of an unknown, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, nobody knows anything. <laughs> I mean, if I was India, one thing I, w- I would try is, um, especially if Rory Burns, a lefty, is opening, um, I would actually open the bowling with Ashwin. Um, he has an average of uh, about 18 in the first 10 overs of a test match. So it's worth giving him a go with the new ball. Have a seamer at one end and have Ashwin with the new ball the other end and see how that works. Uh, I would test that out. Yeah, I mean, he's got a great new ball record. He's got a great, I mean, probably the greatest record against left-handers. That, that's just too inviting for any captain. I was yes, reminded of uh, the <laughs> Melbourne test uh, which uh, Ashwin recounted with Ravi Shastri going up to him and saying, Ash, you need to bowl in the first 10 overs. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite, quite an epic imitation. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, now that we spent so much time on Ashwin and kind of talked pretty much everybody around him, let's just go into the team combination. Perhaps it's, it's good to start with England. Arj, what, what do you think will be the team combination going into the first two tests? What, what would be your sort of ideal 11? What do you think is the 11 that they'll go with? <laughs> My ideal 11 would be uh, Johnny Besto in there in the top order, but he's not going to be there. Um, so for the first test, um, it looks like the top three will be Sibley, Burns, Crawley. Uh, Root, of course, will slot in at four. And then number five will be Ben Stokes. Number six will be, um, if Ollie Pope is fit, he's had a shoulder problem. If he's fit, he'll probably bat at number six. But I reckon he's unlikely to make the first test. It's it's hard to tell with these things. Uh, If he doesn't, Dan Lawrence, who who made his debut on the Sri Lanka tour, uh, will, will slot in at six. Um, and then I think, uh, so Butler will play the first test at seven. Um, and because Ben Stokes is so, so useful as having, having that extra bowler, um, because he's, an extra, he's a pace bowler, for the Chennai wicket, you need to play uh, minimum two spinners, arguably three. Um, but because Ben Stokes is a, is a pace bowling all-rounder, I think they'll go with the two spinners. Um, Moin Ali had COVID and he, he's ready, but I think he hasn't, he hasn't played a test match since the uh, Edge Baston test of the of the pre- of the Ashes 2019 series. Um, Dom Bess, I have a lot of concerns over, um, but he still got the wickets in Sri Lanka, and I think it would be a bit harsh to to leave him out uh, of this side. So I would have, so I think Bess will probably come in at eight. Um, Leach will be the other spinner, 
um, at 10. And then I think they'll pick one of Anderson and Broad, and then they'll pick uh, Jofra Archer. Um, and Archer will be interesting because he hasn't, um, since his uh, very good Ashes series in 2019, he hasn't had so much success after that. So I'll be very interested to see how he goes with the extra pace, which, which will be needed uh, if these pitches are very flat. Um, so I think that's how I see the 11. I reckon they'll probably go for Anderson over Broad. Um, personally, I gut instinct, I'd probably go with Broad um, for the Chennai test. I think Anderson, I'd, like, I'd probably keep him for, if you're going to rotate, I'd keep Anderson definitely for the pink ball test in uh, Ahmedabad. Um, so uh, in, yes, uh, which I think is the fourth test. But yeah, it's a tough one between Broad and Anderson. I don't think both will play together. But, but you're comfortably in the camp of Besso or Moinali. At least that's what you think they'll go with. Uh, yeah, I'm not comfortably. I think it's a tough one. I, 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 I mean, if you ask me, I think uh, Moinali is probably, probably a better bowler, actually. Um, but he also, one must remember, he also didn't have any success on the last tour. And he got absolutely hammered. I mean, he, couldn't, he, he cannot bowl dry, Moinali. He can bowl he, some magic. He might have quite well, though. He got a couple. Yeah, of he got, a, got got a couple of hundreds, but you need to uh, you need to have him as a as a you need to pick your best spinner. I mean, you, you can't have India racking up five hundred every time. Again, it will just be uh, too much. Um, and I think you know, as I said, Don Best took the wickets in Sri Lanka. He's the man in possession. What does signal, signal does it send out if you drop him? That's what. That's why these kind of equations are tough. Um, but yeah, Moin Ali, I'm not confident he is match ready either. So, but very few people are match ready. So I'm not sure if that is such a big factor. On a lighter note, have you seen a more fortunate five-wicket all in your life than what Best got in the first test? Uh, no. And I think uh, Crick Viz had a statistic that uh, the, his, the balls that he bowled to get the five wickets, had the expected number of wickets were 0.18. <laughs> <laughs> that was just extremely fortunate. I mean, I, like, I, I was, I, I mean, there was no coverage in Singapore. I was watching it on Cricket Info and I mean, for tracking it on Cricket Info and following Twitter conversations. And I saw some snark about his five wicket all. I didn't understand what it was. Then I saw the highlights. I was just blown away by how uneventful each of the delivery was. And, and, and you know, how you ended up with five such deliveries yielding wickets. Uh, yeah, perhaps Sri Lanka were helping India by, you know, by ensuring he plays at least the first two tests. Exactly. Yeah, Sri Lanka had two collapses there and both of them were so atrocious that it's hard to even tell how good the England bowling was on that day. Uh, so, yeah, difficult to gauge anything with, from those two collapses. Yeah, I must have watched uh, thousands of test matches and uh, I think, or well, maybe not thousands, but I've watched countless test matches and I'd probably say that Sri Lankan first innings was arguably the worst display of batting I've ever seen. Um, it was worse than India's 36 all-out by some distance. We don't consider 36 all-out as, as a catastrophe at all. In fact, we did a podcast immediately after that and we thought yeah. it was an extreme outlier. And, uh, yeah, it was an outlier, fact, absolutely. Even Vikram Rato said the team couldn't have done anything, which is quite you know, heartening to see. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Okay, moving on to uh, the Indian combination. Sebi, what, what would you go with? Do you have the guts I have to no idea. As I said, the sp- uh, sorry. Rahul? Do you have the guts to drop Rohit Sharma and pick KL Rahul? 
No, not not in India for sure. Uh, Rohit Sharma needs to play every Test match that India play at home. Uh, I'm as much as I <laughs> can be critical of Rohit Sharma at times, but no, at home, yeah, he has he must play. Um, I think the batting sort of picks itself. Uh, Kohli comes back, uh, Rahane. Uh, Pandya is interesting. Uh, I don't know if he'll get the, get a game, but if uh, Ishant and Bumrah are, are fit and ready, um, I also you, okay. Uh, so this is a very straightforward question, right? If you have if you have to play Saha at home, which makes a lot of sense, would you play Pant as the sixth batsman or Pandya as the sixth batsman? Well, after this Australia tour, Pant for sure. I mean, um, I, I I don't think uh, there would there would I would even have a question about it. I mean, Pant is playing like your regular batsman. I mean, he they played him at uh, what they played him at four, right, in Sydney. Um, five, or, uh, five, five in uh, Sydney, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> he he is definitely your. I would play Pant, uh, but again, I, whether they would go with Saha at home is the question. You no, know, given what Pant has done, his profile has shot up so much. Um, I would be, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they pick Pant as your as the wicketkeeper batsman. But now they have, without Jadija, they have uh, the option to go with four bowlers and they could play the sixth batsman. So, they could play both, actually. They could, but I think Kohli has been uh, traditionally favor- favouring the five-bowler strategy. He's the, I mean, I feel he's the captain who loves to play five bowlers all the time. Um, and uh, I would be surprised if India go in with four. But uh, now the Washington Sundar angle is very interesting because, uh, you know, he came in, said Sydney had a good test with the bat. was pretty good with the ball as well though i i wouldn't uh, say great uh, do they back him he's playing in chennai to whom uh, uh, you know his home venue they're playing two tests so do they say okay we'll back him and one of the interesting things that vikram rathor also said that uh, same interview and which others have pointed out as well was that uh, uh, they said australian Aust- the australian pace attack isn't as good against left-handers against right-handers and so that had a part to play with respect to pushing Pant up the order and, uh, you know, pushing Pant one or two up the order and playing Sundar, uh, they felt that, you know, that could be a factor. So, I don't know about the, I haven't seen the stats. Arj is probably better one to tell us about uh, in- England's bowling against left-handers and things like that. But I'm sure uh, Shastri and others are going to take that into account. I mean, so 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 England, uh, as I said, Jack Leach for me is the best spinner. Um and but his record against left-handers is far inferior, uh, naturally. But I mean, I mean, usually you'd expect a left-arm spinner to be better against right-handers. But with with Jack Leach, there's a chasm. I mean, he's averaging about 26 against right-handers uh, and about 47 against left-handers. Now, admittedly, it's a short career, but still, that's quite a big gap. Um, one one thing I was going to ask you, Sidvi and Mahesh, um, uh, reversing it, is that. Um, India will definitely play five bowlers, I'm sure, because the bowling will be more of a worry than the batting, especially at home. Like, uh, I can't see India being bowled out easily. Um, but w- what's your view on um, Aksa Patel playing? Because if you've got Ashwin spinning the ball in, uh, and you, you, you do not want someone spinning the ball away, now it's important to pick your best, your best bowler. If, you have a, if, if Washington Sundar is clearly a better bowler than Aksa Patel, you, you, you play him. But I'm not sure whether he is uh, much better than Aksa Patel. I don't think he is. The only reason why he's in the team is because in the opportunity that he got, he's performed well. And also as, as a backup for a spin bowling all-rounder. Uh, ideally speaking, India will go in with, uh, with Ashwin and Kuldeep. And if you don't play Kuldeep, 
in a home test where Jadeja is not there. I mean, I don't see how they are ever going to play Kuldeep. And if I were Kuldeep, I'll be depressed if they don't play me. So I, I, I was, uh, I was assuming Kuldeep will play and they'll play three spinners on a Chennai pitch. Okay, that if it's a third, it's very likely they'll play Washington because of the batting angle. I, I think if Washington plays, he'll be playing as a sort of a, uh, a spinner who could also bat and and as a sort of a not so like for like replacement for Jadeja, but you know, it just kind of fits the bill. And you don't think Axar Khan batted Axar Khan batted seven and Ashwin at eight? You could play Axar seven, Ashwin eight, and then have Kuldeep, um, Bumrah, and uh, Ishan Sharma, and then you have a completely different bowling attack to the Sydney Test. To, sorry, to the Brisbane Test. Possible, it has merits, but I don't think they'll they'll go there. I like the idea, but I don't think given uh, given Washi's performance in the last Test and the fact that they've retained him in the squad. I mean, I would have understood if they said, okay, Washi did his job in Australia. But traditionally, he's not seen as a great test prospect. We'll, we'll not pick him in the squad. But what selectors have done is they've gone ahead and extended the rope for him and said, we will pick you in, this, in the test squad. And given that, and given the momentum, plus he contains, he does a containing job quite well when both Ashwin and uh, Kuldeep tend to be more attacking. I would still think they'll go ahead with him. But I, I mean, I'm not against the idea, but I just don't see that uh, happening. Yeah, if they play Ashwin and Kuldeep, I'm. I think uh, Washington Sundar will have a big role to play because uh, he. Uh, one of the reasons he was picked uh, in Brisbane was also the fact that he could contain, uh, keep it quiet while others attack, and uh, this is a perfect chance for him to play again and contain at one end while everyone else attacks around him, and also give that batting depth. Uh, yeah, given what he did in Brisbane, it would be quite. Uh, I would. I would feel bad for him if he's dropped. If India go with. Uh, Five bowlers. If India go with four bowlers, I can totally understand why they would drop it. Okay, so going back to the eleven city. So let's uh, let's assume five bowlers. So you so that leaves Pandya out, I guess. So then you're yeah. going with uh, with Pant, I suppose, and not Saha. But I'll not be surprised if Kohli goes ahead with Saha. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a tough one. You, you if you're picking three spinners, uh, you know, and uh, then Saha becomes uh, gets. <laughs> Uh, you know, you would want to pick Saha because he's so good uh, at home against spin. Um, yeah, so it, it's going to be a tricky one. But to leave out Pant uh, or to, you know, they, I, I think what could happen if they go with three spinners is, well, can they even do that? Can they pick Pant as a batsman and pick Saha? And then... They three spinners they that's can't. not going to happen. Three they can't drop Rahane. Yeah. yeah, so then, yeah, then that's the problem then. <laughs> that's the question. If you have three spinners... Uh, you have to, I guess, the, you will want to go with Saha, but you uh, can't. Uh, but then if you go with four bowlers, you can probably pick Pant as a batsman. So yeah, it's a tough one. I would personally, I would go with Pant as the wicketkeeper batsman. And I would um, hope that he, he makes uh, fewer mistakes than he scores runs. I mean, before all the outreach cycle could start, let me just state this absolutely clear here. It's It's... You know, it's perfectly fine if Kohli goes ahead with Pant because, you know, he's coming off this hot streak of performance and, and, you know, at home you could you could afford to drop a few and still, you know, back your bowlers to create enough chances. And it also makes perfect sense to play Saha. So, just because Kohli happens to take one decision over the other, you know, I, I won't be surprised if the, if the massive outrage cycle starts again, but it should surprise nobody if, if he goes with either of the decisions. Yeah, and I don't, it's such a marginal call 
that uh, it's I, I don't think that the outrage eventually will start only if you know someone if Pant drops a catch or if Saha fails with the bat that's almost like trigger for the outrage and that's quite silly because you're just outraging over the result <laughs> not the decision I mean you already knew it by picking Pant over Saha India is going for yeah. assurance for lesser opportunities yeah, but, but yeah, I'll be so, more surprised. I think the outrage will be more if Pant is dropped and, and Saha is, is picked. Then it'll be like, oh, he's just won you a series in Australia. He's, he was a man of the match in Brisbane and this is what you're doing, Colise, whatever, whatever. Yeah, that, that would be really weird if Pant is dropped, for sure. Though I can understand why they would go with that decision. If you're going with five bowlers and three spinners, you want to have Saha there behind the stumps, I can understand. But uh, yeah, it'll be... Uh, given the celebration and the hangover, it'll be a strange decision yeah, on that front. Okay, going into the bowling attack, Ishant walks back in straight away, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, mm. if Ishant and Bumrah fit, they play. Uh, that's that's all. I mean, there's no other question. And and if, if they're not fit, I guess Siraj, if, if one of them is not fit, Siraj will, will be the... Siraj one. comes in, yeah. yeah. More than Shardul, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, as much as we all love Shardul for everything that he can do on a cricket field, Siraj has done more than enough in Australia to be that uh, replacement. So, so a slight detour on Shardul. The other day I was looking at the 2012 uh, series scorecards. And he played for Bombay in the in the practice match for England at D.Y. Patel. And he must have been, what, 20 years at that time? Wow, 100. I had no idea. I had no idea I had played that, that on that series. Yeah, so he's, he's one of the connecting points to the 2012 series on both sides, actually. Okay, so that that uh, seals the uh, fast bowlers. So spinners, if, if it's three, we, I think both of us agree that it's going to be Kuldeep, uh, Ashwin and uh, and uh, Washi. And if it's two, it's, it's, so then you basically either play Pant and Saha or play Pant and uh, and uh, Bumrah's, uh, sorry, Pandya's a sixth bat and then play Kuldeep and uh, Ashwin. Okay, so yeah, there's there's enough cause for outrage one way or the other because somebody who performed well in Australia is going to get dropped. It could be Washington Sundar, it could be Pant, it could be Shardul Thakur, it could be Siraj and, and uh, really looking forward to the pointless outrage. Uh, yeah, talking yeah. about the spinners though, I mean, I think one point uh, I wanted to bring Arj in as well. Uh, you know, I watched uh, quite a bit of that England-Sri Lanka series and, uh, you know, there was a lot of talk of Joe Root sweeping and, uh, you know, I think traditionally he has been, uh, you know, very good on the sweep. I saw a stat that said that uh, among all the batsmen, uh, you know, who have got runs on the sweep, he's got like way more than everyone else. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing if he continues with uh, how he continues. I mean, he did sweep in uh, the previous series uh, in India and even on the first uh, on his debut. But I'll be interested to see how, you know, the Indian spinners handle that and how he sort of... Uh, sort of uh, does that in India. Uh, yeah, I agree. He's been um, excellent with the sweep. He played different types of sweeps against Sri Lanka and uh, profited. And it, it, he did it in a way that was uh, almost look, made it look like it wasn't a risky shot. Now, interestingly, he was out sweeping the Chennai test twice. I think he got a dodgy decision in the first innings. Um, but this is where I think um, India will miss uh, Ravindra Jadeja because he's quite a hard bowler to sweep. So... I think uh, he, he, I mean, Joe Root is obvious. He's the big wicket. He's the only England batsman who currently averages over 40. Uh, he's got a very good record against Ashwin. 
I think, I, I, I know we're going back to it, I think India may be missing a trick for not having a bowler who spins the ball away from the right-hander, not just for Root, but in general. I think that a lot of these English batsmen are not comfortable with the spinner uh, drifting in, turning away. Um, now, I'm not just saying that about because of Embledenia. Uh, I just think in general, you need to have a bowler who is spinning it away. I think it will help Ashwin as well. Uh, noting that Washington Sunda is a different type of spinner to Ashwin. Um, but yeah, back onto Root. Yeah, I think he looked so comfortable in the last tour. He just didn't make enough big scores. Um, and on this tour, he's going to be under so much pressure. Anything less than a, than a big series from him, big meaning probably an 80 averaging series, um, England will be in, in big trouble, I think. Yeah, this, this looking good and not quite making big scores seems to be the, the bogey for Root, isn't it? In, in all the comparisons against the other three. Uh, so the other day, uh, I think it was uh, Jared Kimber who put out a, a comparative graph of uh, the, the Fab Four, so to say. And Root started slightly earlier and he achieved his peak also slightly earlier. And he never really fell too much from the peak. So this whole uh, judgment of Root as, as the lesser of the four, so to say, between uh, Smith Coley and, uh, and Williamson seems particularly hard because they tend to go by the number of hundreds rather than the, the consistency or, uh, or the performances. Uh, Arj, how do, you, how do you look at that comparison? Well, I think the problem with this is that Root is a world-class player, but the problem we have is that you've got someone like Steve Smith, who's averaging about 62. And if you look at the gap between him and Joe Root, who's under 50, that is absolutely huge. I mean, you wouldn't compare uh, Joe Root to someone averaging high 30s. So Steve Smith is kind of in a league by himself. And I think, uh, unfor unfortunately, Co Root has fallen away from, from the other two as well, Coley and Williamson. So it's he's had an excellent series in Sri Lanka, but he'll need to um, have a stellar year to actually uh, get back in mixing with Williamson and um, Coley. Now, I think Smith is in a different sphere altogether. Just, just the cons his consistency is just too good. Um, but the other bizarre thing about Joe Root is there's a massive discrepancy between his numbers batting at number three and batting at number four. And for some odd reason, there was an insistence that he bats at three. He actually averages under 40 at number three and averages about 54, 55 at number four, I think, off the top of my head. So it's a clear, clear, obvious thing that, yes, Root is a captain, but the most important thing is his runs. And it seems to me, why on earth would you move him to number three when he's so successful at number four? Um, even last summer, he had a couple of innings at number three. Um, so whatever it is, I don't know the reason, but whatever it is, they have to put him at number four. It's almost a chauvinistic sort of take, right? That he should bat at number three because he's the captain. He's got to be more responsible, whatever. But I mean, forget that he's a captain. He's also your best batsman. And he's your best batsman at number four. So it serves the team well. It serves him well. I don't even see the point of this whole debate about why is he not batting at number three. And that seems to kind of do the rounds every now and then, right? I mean, it, it's a topic that never seems to fully die down. Yeah, exactly. And, and I don't think it should be a debatable topic after all the evidence we've seen. Uh, whatever the reason may be. Um, but also, I think, uh, interestingly, England's last two captains, uh, Joe Root and Alistair Cook, um, both of them, even though they grew up in England, are better players of spin than they are of pace, um, which is strange. So I think there's no reason why Joe Root can't have 
profitable series. Um, if you look at his records against sort of the, the Indian the Indian bowlers, um, he's got. A, I mentioned before a few times he's got a very good record against Ashwin. Um, he's got a decent record against Jadeja as well. Uh, Jadeja had a bit more success. He's got a very good record against Ishan. Um, interestingly enough, the, his, his weakest record um, is actually against uh, Jayan Yadav, who, who debuted in the last series. He, Jayan Yadav managed to get him out cheaply twice. Um, so, and, and he's got a good record against uh, Umesh. I think Bumrah, he played only in that uh, home series in England. So I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, the, uh, home series for him. So... Yeah, I mean, this is a, an ideal platform now for Root to really make big runs. Um, the pitches, the Indian attack is very good. Uh, we don't know exactly what the pitches are going to be like, but we suspect they're going to be batting, very batting friendly. So, you know, stage is set for him to uh, make himself a part of that. Uh, I'm going to call it the Steve Smith and Fab th and Three com uh, combination. On the series, I also want to touch a little bit about the context of the World, the World Test Championship and, and, and given all the recent changes about the qualification in terms of percentage versus points and, and all the compressed series and, and some of them, like you don't even know if South Africa Australia is going to happen or not and, and, and all that. Given so many unknowns, do you think that will play a part in, in, uh, in how things go about it, particularly in the later part of the series when, you know, when the, the margins can dictate who goes ahead and who, who doesn't? Uh, do you think that will have any bearing on the series, on the cricket part of the series? Uh, not uh, early on, I think definitely. I mean, in the first uh, two tests, I mean, of course, the teams will be keeping an eye out for it. But the fact is that, uh, you know, the margins need to be so wide. Like, I think England need to win by uh, three tests to, you know, have a chance of qualifying for the final. That's assuming South Africa, Australia goes ahead and all that. Uh, yeah, so it's not like, uh, you know, they have to draw the series or it's not like they have to win by one test where their minds might have been more on it. This is a little bit of, uh, you know, let's wait and watch kind of thing. And, you know, if things go their way in the first two tests, um, you know, if they win one, if they happen to draw one, then maybe they, they start to think about it. But definitely, I think initially, I don't think either team is going to really have too much, put too much thought into that. Fair enough. Uh, just, just one last, uh, as usual, our ritual prediction before we wrap it up for, for the series preview. Arj, do you want to go ahead? Yeah. Uh, I would say I think England will bat well enough in one of the test matches to get a draw, possibly one of the Chennai tests. Um, I think um, India will just score too many runs. Um, I think England don't know how to get reverse swing using the SG ball. Uh, they struggled to get it last time, even though they got it with the Kookaburra in Bangladesh. Um, I think India will rack up the runs. Uh, you can pick either any one of them to rack up the runs. Uh, Kohli's a good shout, as always. Um, and I think they will lose 3-0. England will lose 3-0. Um, they'll fight hard at times. Um, and I just think there's too much inexperience in the batting lineup. Um, they're touring India for the first time. You're going to have uh, four of your top six relatively inexperienced. Uh, yeah, funnily enough, um, Ashwin actually played for, when Ashwin played for uh, Nottinghamshire, uh, he bowled against uh, all four of them. So he bowled against uh, Lawrence, Burns, Crawley and Sibley. Uh, in, uh, he only played five matches and in four of them he bowled against each of them. And uh, Sibley actually made a, 
double 100, not out, and 100. Uh, Burns was the only one he dismissed. Um, so they have actually seen him before, but it's a completely different thing to play him in Indian conditions under pressure of a test series. So I reckon it'll be too much for this England side to do anything against such a powerful Indian unit that has only lost one test match since England won the previous series. Uh, since won the one won the one in 2012, and that one test match at home was was on a rank turner. Uh, there aren't going to be any rank turners in this series. Uh, I can't see any. Uh, you know, I don't want to kill the fun, but I, I can't see England England really challenging on this one. Um, they've got some good characters in the side, uh, players who will learn, but not enough to, to certainly not enough to bowl India out and uh, for a cheap for a low score. And I think the batting eventually will will be worn down on these slow turners. So what's, what's the prediction? Sorry, 3-0 to, um, to India. England will get a draw somewhere. Okay, okay. And who do you think will be like your pick for the batsman of the series and, and the bowler of the series? Just so that, you know, you can go wrong on multiple dimensions. Right, I mean, <laughs> that's the obvious choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean to be honest, if, if you, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't uh, involved in any podcast involving Australia, India, because uh, I would have got every prediction wrong. Uh, but uh, for this one, you can't look past uh, Joe Root for England with the bat and uh, you can't look past, uh, I don't think you can look past Kohli with the bat for India. I just think he'll be hungry. Uh, his home average is phenomenal. Um, you can pick any of the Indian batsmen. I think Ashwin will be the main man with the ball. Um, if you want me to ask for a player who unexpectedly will do well or who's under the radar, uh, I would pick Ollie Pope from from England. I think... He's got the shoulder injury at the moment, but if he gets the chance, I think of all the youngsters that they have, he has the most talent. So I think I'm going to go for the the surprise package of Ollie Pope. But apart from that, I think uh, it'll be uh, the boring answers like Kohli, Ashwin, uh, Root. And um, uh, for England, the bowl, bowling is going to be tough, I think. <sighs> I think Leach probably, but I can't see... And I can't see them doing too well with the ball, to be honest. Come on, Sibli. You're trying to be wrong. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, everyone... I mean, I, I I rarely get predictions right. So, this is obviously going to be way out of the mark. I like the way England played in Sri Lanka. But I, do, I think the quality of the opposition and even the conditions they're going to come up against is totally different. I can see them... Uh, you know, I, I I can see them fighting... But again, yeah, it'll be really, really a big achievement, I think, if, if they can pull off even one test. So, I'm going to go with Arj as well. Uh, though, okay, I don't think there'll be a draw, uh, but I don't think there'll be a whitewash. So, okay, let me just say England will win a test. Why not? With the pink test, they, they might have a chance. Um, and uh, I'll go with 3-1. The, and as for the... Batsman of the series, bowler of the series. Uh, it could be. Uh, I'll, I'll go slightly different from. Uh, I'll say Pujara. Uh, I think Pujara will continue his. Uh, you know, I, I think Pujara will do really well. Um, bowler. I would like to think Bumrah will have an exceptional series. First time he's going to be playing in India. I hope he plays all the tests and gets. Uh, you know, uh, say twenty-five wickets. <laughs> That's my hope. I always want Bumrah to do well. So, yeah, uh, this is uh, not so much a prediction as a hope that Bumrah has uh, exceptional series. 
So the last time an Indian genius played his first full home series against England, it resulted in a whitewash. Wait, what, uh, what is this? No, Sachin. Such, such, such first, oh, Sachin. Okay. Sachin's <laughs> first yeah. full home series was the 93 one, right? I mean, he played one-off test before. Yeah. So now we have Bumrah playing his first series in India. So yeah, I would yeah. just hope he plays all tests because, uh, you know, uh, given the injuries and given the, you know, maybe they even wish to rest him if they if they win the series at some point, they may want to rest him. But yeah, I, I would love for him to play all the tests and be fit throughout. Okay, now that I've got you uh, guys to, you know, give your predictions, it's, it's only fair that I also give out mine. So I'm going to go with 2-1 uh, for India. One, I think Sibley is going to score a big 100 where everybody is going to say, Ashwin cannot go to right-handers, so I, I see that happening. And and Arj also mentioned that he's played, played against him before. Uh, but but I think England usually comes well prepared, and and uh, and we we don't give them enough credit for for how well prepared they come to most subcontinent trips. Like even last time they went to Sri Lanka, they won three love, and and uh, last time they came to India, of course, it was a bad result. But but they usually come well prepared, and they've got players who are good players, uh, batsmen who are good players, spin as well, particularly uh, Joe Root. So I think it's going to be a hard-fought series, and then both both wickets will be relatively on the flatter side. Uh, I also think Ashwin will be worn out. Captains will use him a lot, and and uh, and he's already sort of uh, physically exhausted. Uh, so I'm going to go with a slightly left field pick. Kuldeep will be the bowler of the series for me. I think it's uh, yeah, it's just if it if it if it becomes true, it's going to be a fluke. But I, but I think he's been in the sideline for too long and he's, he's too good a bowler for, for not to be playing the, in the 11 for too long even when Jadija is missing out. So I think this could be a breakthrough series for him. From a batting perspective, I'll probably go with Root. I think he's going to have a good series. Um, and I'll always go with Rohit Sharma. So that's fine. Yeah, and, and none of us have mentioned uh, Gil, but uh, this could be a big series for him as well. First series at home um, you know, against England could be challenging and it could also be his uh, chance to, you know, make multiple hundreds. Absolutely. There are three, three Indian players who have hardly played at home. So Bumrah, first series at home, Gil, first series at home. And I think Rishabh Pant has only played two tests at home. So three of them are, uh, you know, obviously all special players. So it'll be good to see them at home. Yeah, and Rishabh Pant at home, I think in both those tests, he got 90. 92. Got 92 yeah. in both, I think, against West Indies. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I think we pretty much covered most of it. Uh, so, or at least as much as we could in a series like this. Uh, thanks, Arch. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Abhi, as always. Thanks for joining. No, thanks for Thank having, you. having me. And we should uh, get together again, uh, either midway or at the end of the series, for uh, uh, laughing at each other for how wrong we were. I'm sure uh, Absolutely. Will remind us on Twitter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, thanks a lot for listening. Keep looking out for more uh, episodes in the future. We'll be doing some sort of uh, features during the course of the series as well. And uh, if it didn't, if if it does out, it does turn out to be as epic as the last one, we might even do like match reviews after every match. We hope it's not because we're all exhausted from from the epic series in Australia. Yeah, thanks for listening. Take care. India have won the Test match. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. India. Goes wild.